0: sit there, that's fine, but there's really no like functional thing for the rest of the morning. If you wanted to scoot over here, that's you could you could you could be with the rest of the people if you wanted to. If you want to sit there, whatever. Morning everybody. So um let's get let's get cracking. Um Ephesians 4 says and we quote it fairly often that uh when, Jesus, when Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men, he gave gifts to the church. He, in essence, split his ministry up into five distinct parts, um, although in terms of equipping other people to do the things that, he's, that he himself does, he, he, and it says he gave uh, gifts to men, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, pastors, and teachers, And so Jesus is the apostle, Jesus is the prophet, Jesus is the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. No one human being has all five of those gifts. That's intentional. Jesus is the only one to have possessed the fullness of deity in the package of one person. He is, in fact, fully man and fully God. But um, he splits his ministry up severally so that we all have a built-in need for one another. I'm a little off the subject. Here's my point. It says he gave these gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so I want to remind us as we go in this morning that this, what we're about to talk about now, is equipping us for the work of the ministry. I want to remind us, last Sunday, we got into some things, the context of what we're being equipped to do. So most of you were here last Sunday, but let's, let's look at that real quick. We said, last Sunday that the overall purpose of the church, so what are we being equipped to do? We're to fulfill this purpose that God has for his church is to populate heaven with the people of the earth and populate the people of the earth with heaven. I honestly believe you can boil the, the summation of the purpose and role of the church, according to scripture, into those two things. Populating heaven with the people of the earth, which means people who are in the earth who do not have salvation through Christ because they haven't heard, they haven't received, their faith hasn't been placed in Jesus as Lord, them receiving salvation uh, by hearing the gospel and receiving it. But that's certainly not the end of the mission of the church. It's not just people getting saved so they can go to heaven when they die. It's it's heaven populating those same people here in the earth. That's why Jesus told, told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. That's the dream of God for the church, is the restoration of heaven in that very territory that, in essence, had been cut off at the fall. How is this accomplished? Again, we're just reminding ourselves before we get into today, which is going to be, as I said earlier, equipping. And specifically this morning, it's going to be equipping in, in a little bit of flowing with the Holy Spirit in our ordinary life to do the works of Jesus under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. So um, what? how is this done? By way of reminder, I look at the Great Commission. Jesus in Mark said to preach the gospel, go and preach the gospel to all creation. We talked about that in depth yesterday, last Sunday. But um, preaching the gospel to all creation, he who believes shall be saved, he who does not believe shall be damned. The whole idea is salvation. Would you agree? And um, so it's evangelism. That's Mark. I believe it does speak of more than evangelism if you dig deeper into it, but certainly at the surface level, Mark 16 15 is about evangelism. Preaching the gospel, he who believes is saved, he who does not believe is condemned. But then you go over to Matthew 28 18, it's not just evangelism, but it's also discipleship. Jesus is quoted by Matthew saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, which is more than just preaching the gospel. It's doing this, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you to do, which is to say, as Kyle, I may have even used you as an example last Sunday at this very point, I don't know, as Kyle walks with Jesus, Jesus teaches him things. If, if not, it would, I would suggest maybe we're not really walking with Jesus. He's teaching us, as we receive into our hearts his truth, his word to us, as our authority and walk in it, we then have the ability to give that away to others. And can I say this? Whatever Jesus speaks to me in my relationship with Him, He is the King seated at the throne of God in heaven, speaking to me here on earth through the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom coming into earth as it is in heaven. Whatever He speaks to me is the kingdom. And whatever we speak from what he has taught us to others, that is how the kingdom of God comes into the earth and spreads the advancement of the kingdom in the earth. That's how, in other words, earth is populated with heaven. That makes sense? So populating heaven with the people of the earth, populating the people of the earth with heaven. What is a church that is doing what we just described look like, a local church. What does the local church look like? Well, I think the book of Acts is given as a picture into what that can and should look like. So let's quickly go through some descriptors that the book of Acts gives of local church. So let's wipe our brains clear of whatever we think local church should look like and what success in local church is, and let's let this define to us what it should look like. Acts 2.42 We see numerous salvations, we see a a church community that is committed, vigorously committed to the teaching of the word of God, fellowship, eating together, and praying together. That's church community. Verse 43 of chapter 2 speaks of the culture of the holy fear of the Lord. In other words, it's not blasé, it's not just casual, it's a holy respect for the reality of the God who created heaven and earth, who is with us, and who we're serving, and who is amongst us. Uh, Verse 44 through 45 um, speaks, again, of community. It speaks of sharing. Again, not communism and not a cult, but reckoning that I fully belong to Jesus, and therefore everything that I have, everything that I am, belongs to his body. And not that people can just come and take whatever I have, but that we, we have a community that's based on the same covenant that binds heaven together. Sharing, kingdom culture, in verses 46 through 47, speaks of divine blessing on the church community, joy uh, through a relationship of praise. Listen to this. It also speaks of the local community esteeming highly the church. It also suggests that the local community is a little afraid of the church. Like, what is going on with these people? They're living out of something that does not exist on this earth, but yet there's a the Bible speaks of a esteem with a local community, and that should be the case of a local church, and it also speaks of organic increase. In other words, multitudes were being, or, or, uh, 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 Every day, more and more people were coming to salvation. It says in Acts chapter five, verse thirty-one, it talks about believers sharing the gospel, not just the apostles, ordinary believers living on mission uh, in their day daily life to to do what we said earlier, to preach the gospel to all creation and make disciples. And then Acts chapter eight, verse thirty-four, we'll end it here. talks about when persecution hit the church in Jerusalem and the first local church had to spread to other places by way of persecution, that instead of just hiding out, hunkering down, finding a job, trying to survive, it says that they, the believers went about preaching the word everywhere they went. So in other words, a culture of, of evangelism and discipleship was birthed in Jerusalem and spread from that place. That is what local church looks like And that's the power of what heaven looks like operating through the local church. Who here wants to be a part of that? That is what we're establishing and building here. Okay, cool, thanks. So, let's look today. just want to say this. Life led by the Spirit of God is key to everything that we just described happening. So Isaiah 61, if you remember that passage of Scripture... Uh, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And it talks about the poor becoming healed, liberated, finding their calling, and they themselves become the rebuilders of waste places. Where does it all begin? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me by his spirit to preach the gospel. In other words, our fulfilling of what God's called us to do is rooted in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So there are many Christians who like, believe theologically about the Holy Spirit, but the functionality is like, oh, that's like, we don't under, that's like, I'll, no, we don't. It's fundamental to the ministry of Jesus. Jesus would never have done what he did without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And surely if Jesus, the Christ, needs the Holy Spirit, surely we need and should aspire to the wondrous life of beyond this natural realm of being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I want to share with you just a couple things that were spoken to us in South Africa. The guy, the man that we handed Santon City Church over to, Anton Cater, a very prophetically gifted individual, a man of the Holy Spirit for sure, um, and not in a flaky way, in a very legitimate way, he said that he felt like he saw for us but really extension for this church he, he he said he felt like he saw a flash flood that was like roaring and then it and then it became a like steady stream and he said he felt like that flash flood was to kind of just clear out any gunk especially ways of doing church the just kind of the way we do church clear that out and then a steady stream of the move of the Holy Spirit from that place uh, to impact, obviously, the city. That was encouraging to me. And then Ange Cater, his wife, who also is very prophetic, said that she had been praying for us before he came and that she felt, and she knows me, knows that I've cried out. She said she felt like she saw me building foundations, which is what we feel like we did a lot at the church in Johannesburg, and that we still are building foundations here, and she said, it's, but God is saying it's not, that's not the end of your call, that you actually desire to see the move of the Holy Spirit. And she said she felt like she saw that coming and that it's just going to come and um, it's not going to be hard and that we're going to see that. So just very encouraging. We don't have to try to make this thing happen. The flow comes from the throne of heaven. It, we don't determine it. It's just there. But um, it is encouraging, and I think all of that is to say this, is that there is more, and that we should want it together with God. Not weird Pentecostal Christianity, you know, whatever you may think is, not weird, Jesus. Yeah. Same thing that Jesus operated in, we operate in today. That's what we should desire more of. So having said that, just a little, uh, I want to talk over the next couple minutes about faith with regards to what we're talking about here, the Holy Spirit, faith and action. Or in other words, you could say faith and works. So the faith that's involved in operating in the Holy Spirit, but it's not just believing in it and theologically agreeing with it and saying I believe in the Holy Spirit, it's also putting it to action. This thing will never happen unless we actually put steps to it. So uh, let's talk about faith real quick. When I was back in college, that We were part of a, a ministry, in fact it was a campus ministry out of the church that Rodney Lloyd, my father-in-law, her dad, led in Statesboro, Georgia. And um, we were wonderful, God was doing stuff, you've been a part of a campus ministry, you know what it's all about, it's cool. And then uh, this was like in 1997 we'll say, it was, or I don't know, around that time. And around that time, some of you may remember a horrible thing that happened in Columbine, Colorado, a school shooting. And it was Dylan Claybold, that name just came back to me. And uh, they wore black trench coats and came in with their guns and mowed down a bunch of students and it was a horrible thing. Well this dude called Neil comes into our campus ministry wearing this long black trench coat, black cowboy hat, and just looked weird. And it wasn't like, you know, the trench coat's one thing, but he just, he looked weird, if you know what I'm saying. He just had a weird aura about him. So, you know, being like the good Christians that we are, we were trying to welcome everybody, but all of us were kind of like, oh. Uh, you know, because we're all sensitive about the media thing happening with Columbine, and it's fresh on everyone's mind. But um, I remember that I was reaching out to Neil, and we, we arranged to go to my apartment, and we were going to share a coffee or something, and I was just going to, Get to know him more, talk to him, and and you know, I've been praying for him, see if we could help him in this journey kind of thing. So he comes and and I get in my car and he gets in his huge three-fourths ton truck. You probably would have liked it, Kyle. And uh and I, we're driving to my apartment and I'm praying for him, like Lord, I don't know what to share with this guy, Lord, just give me Holy Spirit, you know. And so we're driving. And he's in my rearview mirror. And every time I t- turn a, take a bend, it's like I go around the corner, get to a stop, turn, whatever. And it's like he is like laboring to turn. And it's like the slow thing. And the Holy Spirit said to me that there are things that he's knocked off of me in my life as I follow Jesus that make it easier for me to maneuver through the things of God. But that Neil has things that, need, that God wants to knock off to make it easier for him to maneuver through the things of God. And so we sat down and uh, I gave him the coffee, and I'm like, oh, God, you like, how do I share this? But I just shared it with him, what I'd seen. And immediately, Neil said, I mean, I had no clue. Immediately, he says, I have guns underneath my bed, and it's because I hate black people. And when you shared that with me, I just feel like God is saying, I need to put that hatred away, and I need to put those guns away. And, uh, and so he did. I, I, no... Glory to me, or anything like that. Neil's countenance, you remember, his whole everything aura changed from that day, began to follow. It was like his first step of obedience that led to a lifestyle of like following Jesus. Everything changed. Eventually, the trench coat changed. Even that was like a part of his whole guise that he was trying to put together. Um, And he became actually quite an enjoyable individual. How was that? It's just. I didn't know. I had no idea about guns and hating black people. I just shared something from the Holy Spirit, but it impacted and it broke something open in his life. That's the power of beyond, I'm not some special prophetic whatever, just a follower of Jesus who asked and he gave me something and I shared Simple formula, right? So why is it that we biblically should and can expect the Holy Spirit? Because everything that we do has got to be rooted in Scripture. Let's read some Scriptures here. First of all, Jesus promised it when he sent us, when he commissioned us. And I'll I'll, I'll prove that by reading his words. Acts 1.8, Jesus says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He said we would receive the same spirit that he had. And listen to this, Mark 16, 17, a little bit more descript. He says, listen to this carefully, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in other tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Why should we expect the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus promised the Holy Spirit when he commissioned us. Would you agree? Why else should we expect the Holy Spirit? Because Scripture teaches us to zealously desire Holy Spirit gifts. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. So just to give you context, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is all about the gifts of the Spirit. And then chapter 13, everyone knows the love chapter. And every pastor except for myself reads it at every wedding. And then in chapter 14, Paul goes back into spiritual gifts. It's like a sandwich. He goes back and specifically talking about prophecy. If you've read that context. So chapter 12, gifts, love, and then goes back into gifts about prophecy. The whole idea is, the whole thing is about love. He's wanting to, but, but he's saying, let it be about love, not about you prancing around like a peacock showing off your prophetic power. That was a lot of alliteration. Uh, uh, but let it, let it be about love and edifying the church. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he ends the chapter and says, earnestly desire the best gifts. That is a biblical command for Christians to not be passive where it regards Holy Spirit gifts, it says to earnestly desire them. And then when it goes into through the love chapter, he starts the 14th chapter, after he gets through the love thing, and says again, follow the way of love, but eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I'm quoting Paul. So this is not something we should wait, and maybe God's going to give it to me it is given to those who are looking for it. When I was driving in that car, looking in my rearview mirror, I could have just gone and given him what I think. But rather, that eager desire, Lord, I need something from you, boom, a little subtle thing that came to me, that's what broke open Neil's life. And so it's, we, we should, it's given to those who eagerly desire it. There's a, a tug and a pull between heaven and earth that causes this thing to happen. Tug and pull, is that right? And then, thirdly, and lastly, why should we uh, expect the Holy Spirit? Because Scripture teaches it to be normal for all church members. 1 Corinthians 14 26, the end of that chapter that we just read about, Paul says this What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? What have we done this morning? When you come together, each of you. How many? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Did you hear that? This is not the words of this Paul. It's the words of God. Through the Apostle Paul, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's normal biblical Christianity. I believe that if you have meetings of 100, 200, 300, 400, it becomes impractical for everybody to literally have something. When you come together, the Holy Spirit is in every single member, however, for the edification of the church. That's one of the reasons that we have home groups. So I went to, we had a prophetic conference a couple years ago back in Johannesburg. It was all about training in the prophetic. Minda actually spoke at this prophetic conference. But, so we had this amazing lady, Jill Patterson. She operates in, in the prophetic and just is so encouraging with it. And so she's talking about words of knowledge, but as is typical with Jill, she doesn't let you sit comfortably in your seat. She activated everybody because it was a conference to, for people who wanted to, to, to uh, develop this thing. So she made a, She had all of us get somebody that we knew nothing about, find somebody in the room, there's probably about 150 people in the room, and, um, and just pray with them. And she, but the training was, what? just ask God to give you something and whatever, don't think about it too much, whatever comes to your mind, just go with it. And so I was like, oh, sheesh, okay. So I went over to this uh, lady and, and I'm, I said, and so we're, we're gonna partner together. She's gonna do something for me, I'll do for, something for her. And so I just pray real quick and instantaneously in my mind's eye, I see a picture of a log. Have you ever been out in like the forest and you see like a log on the, like a dead log, like an old tree or a branch? I saw, I saw a picture of that and so, you know, that's a great word for somebody, isn't it? See a log, like a dead log in the forest. And so I had no idea. But honestly, listen to this. I I, I didn't reject it. It, did, it wasn't like some amazing thing happened and the angel Gabriel, it was just like a quick picture, could have dismissed it. Came to me and I said, Lord, what is that? And, and I felt like he says, what do you see? Just like he would ask Amos and the various prophets, Hosea, What do you see? And I said, I see a log. What do you notice about it? There's moss growing on it. It's wet. It's in the forest floor. It's next to a stump. I started to realize that this picture. And then I said, Lord, what does this mean? And he started to see. Oh, and I saw a little bud of like a flower or something coming up out of the the wood, the 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 petrified wood, or what's the word? You know, like it. Yep, the plant rot, almost using that as like a a soil, like a saw that coming out. And and instantaneously, I knew something had died in this lady's life, and that God was saying life was coming out of the very ashes, the death. And so I just began to share that. Tears and all of this stuff. I can't remember exactly, but it was like exactly pertinent to her very life. So then we go, and okay, now that's going to be prophecy. Now we're going to do word of knowledge. And so I go to this other dude. And, uh, and, and so I'm like, oh, geez. Now, words of knowledge, that's about like getting some piece of information about a person from the Holy Spirit that you would have had no way of knowing. I go over to him. Again, see a picture. And uh, I see this lady. I notice that she's in a wedding, like a wedding bridal, wedding gown, and that she's got red highlights in her hair and that there's very lush green foliage behind her. And so... Like, I don't know this guy from Adam. And it's like, he's a single guy. Of course I'm going to see a bride. And so I just began to say, dude, I don't know. I'm just going to explain, describe the picture. And he said, I am engaged. We're getting married. The place where we're having our wedding has intense green foliage where we're going to have our, our pictures taken. And my wife just, my fiance just got red highlights put in her hair. And I said, okay. Jesus, that's pretty cool. So, again, these things, I'm I'm wanting to say this to you as somebody who is not gifted. Do you know what I mean? It's honestly, it's just dumb enough to believe that God can actually speak. And maybe that thing when I say, God, give me something that comes to my mind, isn't just me. And, And not just dismissing it, but pressing in. God, is there something here? So we want to see the Holy Spirit impact Detroit. It starts with us becoming skillful, can I say, within the community so that we live a life of the power and the flow of the Holy Spirit everywhere we are. It's who we are. So a couple tips, two tips real quick, real quick on building your faith and your expectation for this. Number one, be in the Spirit, And what I mean by that is there are things that we can do to connect our soul that naturally connects to this temporal world. We connect to what we see in our budget and what we see of natural information. We connect with this world and we have to discipline our soul to do things to connect us with the heavenly realm. Those things are worship, what we just did. The proclamation of spiritual truths, even if we're not feeling it, reminding ourselves of who Jesus is, what He's like, those things. Worship. I would also say praying in tongues, which is like—I uh, best describe it. It's like—if anybody golfing here? There we go. I, I knew I could count on Michael. Golfing. Go, golfing. If you golf, which is a highly addictive thing, golfing is uh, there's repetition. You, I, my, my swing stinks today, but back at when I used to golf, you go to a driving range and you practice the right groove over and over and over between, between, uh, to where your muscle memory, it becomes second nature. The right groove, the weight balance, the everything, the turning of the hips, blah, blah, blah. And you practice that over and over. Praying in the Holy Spirit is like the driving range. It's that thing that grooves you to be in the spirit realm. It, the very practice of speaking in tongues is turning your mind off, because it's not language that comes out of you by means of your normal method of your brain. It's, it's tapping into the spirit and releasing the language of the spirit, which is a, it's, it's like practice to walking in the spirit. Every time you pray in tongues, is, it's practicing walking in the spirit. I hope that makes sense. I would, I would suggest that. And then I would also say, uh, be in the Spirit, but also be in the Word. Without seeking God regularly in the Word of God, our Holy Spirit stuff becomes flaky, because the Word gives us the foundation upon which the Holy Spirit moves. Does that make sense? So when people start prophesying and it's like patently unbiblical, don't even listen to it. And some people like either the word or the spirit. We need both, but it can't just be the spirit. We have to, the, the spirit operates with the word. So let's do both. And faith, ex, in other words, expectation, the Bible says, comes from the reading or the hearing of the word of God. So it's in the reading of the word of God that we actually sometimes get the prophetic and the and things from God for other people. Okay, so that's expectation and faith. Let's quickly just touch on the action part. James chapter 2, verse 26, says this. Many of you would know of it. For as the body without the spirit is dead, did you hear that? The body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works or action is dead also. So we can have faith. It is possible to have faith inside of your heart, and for it to actually be dead because it's not accompanied by any kind of action. Faith becomes alive in this world once I put action to it. This world never sees anything of the kingdom of heaven that's inside of me until I have faith that is mixed with action. And if we want to see the Holy Spirit moving, it has to not just be the faith, it has to be the action also. So my dad, back in the 80s, I I think he's curbed this tendency today, But he used to be such a sucker for the infomercial. You know, those things, those things that like convince you, you have to have this product. And so my dad would be such a sucker for these things. So he bought this big PVC pipe circular thing that was supposed to supposedly like groove your your golf club. It's like this big circle thing that you put up and you put your, you slide your club along the, the edge of it, and it was supposed to groove for the perfect thing. He bought this thing God only knows, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. it sat there doing nothing in my basement. And then we had the bowflex. do you remember, or solo flex? You know those like resistance bands? We had that in our basement, collecting dust. Tons of potential, both of those products, zero benefit by way of no action being put to any of it. So <clears throat> the, the idea is faith without works is dead. There has to be action that you put to it. So I was once, um, uh, 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 I, or, I, I arranged for a group of guys from a church that we were a part of in Johannesburg. We were doing kind of like an outreach thing. You guys may think it's crazy, that's fine. I'm okay with being crazy. Here was the premise of what we did. We went to Northgate Mall in Northern Johannesburg. And uh, we all gathered together, and I had everybody. I said, okay, we're wanting to release something of the Holy Spirit here. Not being weird, but let's just ask God, as we go through this mall, everybody go out in groups of two, and ask God to give you something for somebody, and then it may just be, can I pray for you? It may be something more specific. Let's just be daring enough to say, God... We give ourselves to you while we're here, um, and, um, and you can do whatever. So I'm walking with this guy, Patrick, and uh, this dude, this short guy, walks by us, and we're kind of talking, but it's an, it's an odd situation, that one, by the way. It's hard to just have a casual conversation when you're there in, with that kind of uh, intent. This guy walks by, me and Patrick, and, uh, he, and a couple seconds goes by, and then I'm like, you know what, Patrick, I felt something about that guy. And he goes, I did too. I said, do you have something for him? No, neither do I, but let's just go find him. So, I mean, honestly, this, this guy was like a beeline trying to find his way to some store, and we had to, like, chase the guy down virtually. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, maybe, anyways. I, we eventually found him. And I I went up to him, and I had had made up my mind that in general, if I have nothing, I'm just going to say something along the lines of, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So I went up to the guy, and I said, hey, um, I I just want you to to know, we're Christians, and uh, we've been praying for people here in the mall, and when you walked by, I just felt something for you, and I just wanted to let you know, Jesus says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And I just feel to tell you that um, Jesus is saying, if you follow him, he's got something that he's called you to be, something that he's going to make you to be. And he just, eyes went up, started getting, you know, just was like amazing. He said, I spent the entire night last night praying to Allah. He was obviously a Muslim. He was actually from Morocco or one of those uh, northern African nations. He said, I spent the whole night. My wife has cheated on me and um, I spent all of last night praying and, and and he said, I cannot believe that you guys are coming to me. And so he <clears throat> got his number, got his name, and I was able to meet with him subsequently at another time just to talk to him more and was able to minister the forgiveness of God, what Jesus did on the cross in forgiving us related to him forgiving his his wife and this guy who cheated. <clears throat> and um, tears, I remember, welling up in his eyes as he heard about the forgiveness of Jesus Did he receive Jesus by faith? I don't know. But God had his number, and it was just making ourselves available, and the subtle, tiny little thing of the Holy Spirit saying that one. Don't even have a word for the guy, just him, and being willing to do it, uh, meant something of a guy who probably never didn't know any other Christians, I'm sure. His whole world was in a very Muslim Subcultural community in South Africa. Never would have mixed with a with a with a uh, infidel, and uh, was exposed to what Jesus did. Seeds were planted. You guys want to see more of that? I've got a word for Mickey and Kyle, and then we're going to activate something.